episode 31. Top of the day to you. <laughs> From across the pond. <laughs> episode the... 31, baby. All the horrible things. And a very, very, very horrible thing happened this previous week. I mean, yes. this is something I'm never going to get. Where were you when you found out the queen died? Well, I'll tell you, I was at home. It was my birthday and it was ruined. No! <laughs> I will oh. forever be the guy who had a birthday that, that the queen died on. Yep. That's pretty momentous. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the girlfriend told me and I was like, yeah, we, we all saw that coming, right? I mean, <laughs> this was not a shock. She was 90 something. 96 dies of natural causes. At least that's what we're told. I mean, it could have right. been something much more seedy. Maybe she had the monkey pox or something. Right. They're not going right. to tell us that, they right? Never, they will never, never ruin her legacy with that. But uh, did you have a personal connection with the queen? Did she Did she none. break through none. to you in any way? No. None whatsoever. Oh, did you, are you a crown guy? Do you watch the crown? I watched uh, first couple seasons and I'm like, yeah, I don't really care for this. Yeah, I, I tried to get through the first season. I could see why people see it, say it's good TV, but I just... I, yeah, well, I just I'm don't a horror sci-fi fantasy, you know, I like drama, but I don't necessarily like the worshiping of people that are just handed things in life, you know, absolutely. That, that's yeah. my biggest, biggest issue with it. That being said, all respect to those who do uh, like the pomp and circumstance. I'll tell you what's a horror show, though. It's been a week of them dragging her carcass oh across the United Kingdom. I What's saw that about? Yesterday, I was just looking, uh, because it's all that American um, news coverage is covering, but there's a mile, or two mile long line of people waiting just, just to, you know. These people not have jobs? What's going no, on? You know what? I bet, I bet you could call into work and say... Uh, Still, still suffering from the the queen's death. <laughs> well, the case is not clear death. to our beloved audience. We're doing UK horror because we're doing uh, the UK horror in honor of the queen. This is our way of respecting the crown. Um, <laughs> even though, as a Irish American, they did horrible, horrible, horrible things to my people in the past. So uh, it's a little satirical, a little ironical from from my perspective. Uh, but nonetheless. Uh, my sister's moving to London in a week, so uh, there's that. And uh, I don't want to get her in trouble peripherally, you know? No. So, so yes, all, all hail the Queen. And in her honor, we're doing some UK horror. We got some four titles for you. Mm -hmm. The first two are in honor of her corgis. <laughs> her, like, 40-something <laughs> over her lifetime. Ridiculous. Right, corgi. right. This is, this is Cruella de Vil sort of... <laughs> Levels of dog ownership, if you ask me. Right. <laughs> a lot of fur. Did, do we see the queen? And um, yeah, you can almost picture her in it, but that could just be, you know, another Mandela effect of like. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> you're, you're royal. You wear fur, I guess. Um, no, those. That's a really good good point, and it's a really good connection because both of these movies um, deal with werewolves. Yes, and Dog Soldiers and Howler, the first two we're going to talk about. And I got to give it to England. They own werewolves. I feel like do. the lore of werewolf it goes back to um, werewolf in London, probably yep. pre that, too. Mm -hmm. I, I actually wish I'd kind of done a little more research into the origin of the werewolf story because I 
love werewolves and I would love to dedicate a full episode to it so we can really yeah there's plenty down. of them out there that's a good point yeah we'll do some we'll do some more lore in that but this is just mm. in honor of the queen's corgis um we're gonna start with dog soldiers which is one I hadn't seen prior to this it's a 2002 film right directed by Neil Marshall who Huge actually fan. is a pretty decent director he did I the descent Neil Marshall he did the descent um, He's done some episodes of series that I really, really love, including Westworld and what else does he do? Um, He's done Hannibal, Constantine, um, Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, like the the large battle. Like he has done some big um, battle scenes for uh, Game of Thrones, which which makes a lot of sense. He has made some pretty fun um, war films. Yes, and this one does. It's rooted in... Um, a combat battalion, I guess. Uh, what would you call it? A special forces unit. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's sent into the Highlands. So really, this does take place in Scotland, I guess. <laughs> well, okay. uh, but you've got okay. a lot of English actors. In, uh, is Neil Marshall himself English? Uh, yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, he's from Newcastle. Uh, one of my favorite beers, by the way. I love a good oh, great beer. Good great brown, beer. Underrated. Brown beer. Yeah. Um, but it actually has some really decent actors in it. Granted, did it feel like it was a 2002 movie for you? Maybe I, I think 2002 was closer to us than it is, but it felt more like a 90s flick to me, mid-90s yeah. based on the production value. How, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I completely agree. I was kind of confused whether it was video or film at times. I mean, I know it wasn't like high-level uh, production, but it did kind of look like, you know, 90s. I guess, you know, that transition from 90s to early 2000s film does kind of feel the same. That, this that's movie fair. though was his first feature. He um, really had to. Um, I think he started writing this in the '90s, so maybe that's why it feels like that. Uh, I think he okay. started this writing process for this movie in '95, and um, kind of had some indie feel like producers on it too. Like it felt very low production, but totally works because the werewolves are fantastic looking. The werewolves are cool. They're honestly, the, the legs of them are so freaking cool. They look like, you know, your stereotypical tall, big alien with the big eyes. The bottom mm -hmm. half of it looks, it looks like an alien werewolf to me in a weird way. The way that yeah. they're so tall, strangely skinny at the bottom, but just so ferocious at the top. Uh, yeah, in terms of the design of the werewolf, I'm on board for that entirely they're, they're freaky and it, looking and it may have been most of the budget you know i mean there there are shots where there's multiple werewolves so you know they're not just reusing one suit they they, they knocked it out of the park with their practical effects i agree um in terms of the plot i thought the opening scene where essentially we're introduced to kevin mckid who i really enjoy from Love. rome if you remember rome. he's lucius mm -hmm. from rome uh, I think that's really his claim to fame more than anything. Um, I believe he's when he's kind of like, he's trying to join the special forces that's read by uh, this character, Captain Ryan, Liam, Liam Cunningham, Cunningham, who's Davos from Game of Thrones. Love him. Um, and he refuses to just like upright murder a dog, kind of sets our, our theme for, you know, killing save canine. The cat. It's our save the cat moment. Yes, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but he essentially we're on his side, then we're on Cooper's side because he's the kind of the good guy. And then it's established later that Captain Ryan is he's setting up this this group of special forces who are on a training mission mm -hmm. to essentially be bait because they're trying to catch one of these werewolves. What do you think about this this storyline? 
it's pretty simple. I think um, the storyline isn't going to like win any original plot right. ideas, but I think as a device it worked. I think. I no. agree. I think now it would be maybe an American Horror Stories episode. I don't think sure. you could sell this as a feature anymore based on what is actually in the film. Um, I felt like it, it, there's a lot of fluff in there sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of just expendable, you know, uh, army men. Mm-hmm. And another big issue I had with it is so geared toward guys. I don't see any, mm-hmm. you know, stereotypical mainstream female audience member wanting to see this at all you know and i'll admit i wasn't excited to watch it at all really yeah no i mean i'm not big on army movies to begin with so it immediately sets it up with the with the title dog soldiers um i was a little more relieved when i saw the actors in it um and i was excited those in the highland i haven't seen stuff take place in the woods but then it really does condense down to this cabin that they're kind of like sheltering in for the majority of the movie takes place in the cabin wouldn't you say yes it has very sam raimi evil dead feelings with the the editing style and inside the cabin uh but funny that you should mention one of the productions one of the hardest things for this movie to actually get going was the location they originally Mm. wanted to film it in the uh, the isle of man Oh. And then it got bumped from there. They were going to try to shoot it in Canada. And I think they ended up actually shooting it in Germany, but really? you know, with some Highland B-roll to, you know, round Fair. it out to make it feel. But um, the location, I think, was was great. It's got that countryside UK cabin feel. And uh, it works. It works in the, you know, the confinement I agree for the most part. Again, I just felt like it dragged a little bit for me and I felt like it did struggle at times with the tone. Um, One particular moment that I want to mention is their uh, battalion leader, I guess you call him the the caporal of their crew is Wells, who's played by Sean Pertwee, who people might know as Alfred from Gotham. (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly, he pops up in Howl too. Yeah, Yeah, he does. Um, but there's strangely like he gets almost he gets pretty much disemboweled very early in the film and they're able to drag his ass to yeah. the cabin. He's holding um, where his, he's, his guts. he's holding his tubes, just his guts just <laughs> hanging out. Um, but then when he's back at the cabin, there's this this little this mutt there, this dog who uh, smells the blood and is literally <laughs> grabs one of his intestinal tubes and is just like yanking at it. And he's like right. pulling his own intestines like it's a tug of war. Yeah. with his intestines with the dog it just kind of like threw threw me out i don't know if it was supposed to be funny or gross or uh, it just felt really bizarre to me um and granted because he was attacked by a werewolf we do find that he is able to then he is healing so i guess there is some legitimacy to it overall but it just uh it, it just blew my mind how this guy is the wherewithal to be awake a lucid conscious while the dog is ripping out his intestines and he's, he's yanking them back. uh, I I don't know that it it just threw me off. It was, it was fun, but at the same time, it it kept me from having any, any scare in this, you know, there was no actual fear for me in this film. And as much as I loved the design of the werewolves, it was so odd and not necessarily in a scary way for me. I don't know. How, How did you feel? Sure. I mean, this isn't uh, this. This I think could be classified as more of like an action horror because it's okay. dealing with a lot of the 
you know, the soldier aspect of it and less of like the lore of the werewolves, which um, would have been cooler if they, I mean, if you remember like the actual opening scene was that couple in the, in the yeah. tent and they established the Sterling. I mean that. Oh yes. He bought, no, she bought him as a gift. This beautiful <laughs> silver Sterling letter opener. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even clear if he knows what it is at first. No. Uh, it's just shiny. So he's uh, <laughs> appreciative. Very strange right. opening um, because obviously they, they're going to use this silver letter opener at the end to kill, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the lead Ryan, Liam Cunningham's character, who has been turned himself, even though he was trying to capture one, he becomes one. And yeah. it's a big showdown between him and Cooper, Kevin McKidd's Cooper, um, where, of course, that letter opener comes back to save the day, jams it in him before sh blowing his head off, too uh yeah there were some fun fight moments there's a character i think his name was spoon spoon yeah where they have a big old throwdown in the kitchen him and the werewolves and he's like i i hope i give you the shits because <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's gonna get eaten yeah. and the gore in it is pretty fun the way yes. Yes. these bodies just get totally mauled and it's almost like overdone where it's not that i don't think the human body would become as mushy and <laughs> bubbly and everything that we're, we're seeing yeah. in this but at the same time it, it was good fun it was good fun and i think um it was a great first film for neil marshall and i yeah. think yeah as a first film I, I i mean it was well done as far as you know storytelling and i mean the whole save the dog moment comes back really well when the dog ends up basically helping um right yeah i thought i mean yeah it was a really great first film for director interestingly though both this and how the lore of the werewolves is not your stereotypical lore um, granted the bites the slashes will turn you into a werewolf uh slowly but they don't turn back once you're a werewolf you're like a werewolf always right w was it established that they turned back or uh if we're talking about both of these movies i don't believe so i think that's a really good point um, but it's a little confusing because there was the woman in the cabin that was helping a megan mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she was also a werewolf but then turned into it i was a little unclear what was going on with megan our one female character in the in the whole movie um, because when they go to this cabin it turns out that the people that live in this cabin are the werewolves it's their cabin yes that so they're taking refuge in you know a space that is well known by these werewolves do we get to sunlight in Dog Soldiers? We we do. We do. do but everyone's but dead at that point. Correct. The house okay. has been blown up, and somehow our main character has survived because he was in the basement. All right. So it's a little unclear whether or not they turn back, but uh, I don't know. I guess they could have clarified that a little bit more. What's interesting, though, you, you want to jump to Howl, or is there anything else you want to say about No, let's, let's jump to Howl. Let's do it. In Howl, the werewolves also look cool. This is from... Um, the creature designer of the descent, which is another interesting overlap. That's fun. Um, the guy who who designed the werewolves in Howl, which is a 2015 movie. Correct. Um, yeah, which also has a really fun cast, if you ask mm -hmm. me. Um, let's let's mention right off the top the driver of this train that's going across the country. What's interesting? Another like closed location. This is a train um, that's going across England 
and you, our main character is Joe, who's the train conductor, not the conductor. He's the guy who takes your ticket. The guard. He is your guard. Your guard. That's what he's called. <laughs> that's, yes, absolutely. So we have the guard. There's an interesting little uh, small part at the beginning from Brett Goldstein, who people will know yes. from Ted Lasso. And he's a dick. You get to see him play like much mm-hmm. more of a dick than he is in Ted Lasso, certainly. And he's about to be Hercules, too, for mm-hmm. those Marvel fans out there. But anyways, the premise is train going out before the last stop. Uh, it runs into this big deer and it happens to get stopped in werewolf territory. Which I almost wanted to know if the werewolves did that on purpose. You know, like mm. did they did they leave? Are they smart enough to have derailed the train to create uh, a buffet, if you will? That's that's a good question. Um, I don't know i don't know i don't know because they sometimes they seem like they were intelligent and other times they seem really animalistic and (laughs) and not at all one interesting thing about these werewolves though is they can climb trees one of the coolest scenes is these werewolves like in the treetops something i'd never seen before tree yeah yeah because dogs are not known to climb trees so i found that a little weird but you know what they really reminded me of the design of these is like the old school werewolf of old from like the 30s. You know, yes. our first werewolf, especially in the shadows where you see the yellow eyes and the just eyes the, are so cool. and the hair billowing. Uh, that was cool. I, I feel like these might not have had as unique a design as dog soldiers, but I found them much more intimidating and, and scary. Uh, I definitely found this a more uh, fear inducing movie, I guess, than dog soldiers. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think something really well done by the director was you don't see the werewolf until maybe the end of the second act or even the top of the third, because I was afraid that, and and this is my second time watching it. And the the first time I watched it was so long ago that I didn't realize who Brett Goldstein even was, but I, I was afraid that, um, the director just did so great of a job hiding the werewolves, like mm-hmm. the, the design. You only see like a foot or a claw coming through there that they were avoiding showing you the full thing. And then when you actually see the full werewolf later in the movie, it's like this is something to be proud of. Like th- these are it really well and- designed and freaky looking. Uh, yeah. Like the first one you see that's attacking them within the train that essentially killed the big fat shawarma eating guy in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Little throwaway character, but you know, I thought this guy was was big enough to to feed the werewolf. He'd be satiated. He'd be done. He could, and they would just be like, he could be good. done with We're the full. rest of them. But no, this uh, werewolf was wearing a ring. It seemed like it could have been a female werewolf. Very strange. Been. Very human hair too coming down from it. Uh, versus like your fuzzy it had like a mane like a, a long hair situation that was really unique um but the teeth were badass and it, it was it was unique looking you know it definitely gave me a little bit of a shiver it did you know now that now that you're pointing that out i am a little um curious because we'd see fully transformed werewolves and then we also see versions that are humanoid and even the old woman who gets attacked she's like that was not an animal that was right you know yes so i'm wondering if if, if maybe maybe they weren't fully turned or they were more uh, of a hybrid Interesting. that would make I, sense yeah i could see that that being the case 
Um, yeah. Yeah. The, huh. So obviously you got them trying to escape. And what's what's funny is this movie has your stereotypical archetypal cast, right? Mm-hmm. You have the asshole guy who was cheating on his wife. You got the pretty boy, but he's kind of the only one that wasn't archetypal and that the pretty boy turned out also to be an engineer and really saved yeah. the day in the end when you kind of expect him to be throwaway too. And then you got your person of color who gets killed so quick, but he was my favorite character. He was he, the funny, funny dude. He was the funny quote unquote nerd type who right. ends up being a badass with an ax. Yes. Yes. That is very true. He was very frightened at first, but then, but they uh, raises to the occasion, that. gives the engineer pretty boy enough time to kind of like fix the train. Yep. Um, and then of course you got your main character, Joe, who's fallen in love with the tea trolley girl. Yeah. Um, and then you have this other female character who's kind of like the jaded woman, I guess you could say. She's been wronged by the brute asshole character in the past during a job mm-hmm. interview. I think she got short shrift, man. I, I honestly think she should have not been uh, I treated agree. the way she was in the I completely in the film. agree. She, first of all, she's forced to pay double double the price of the tickets, that 40 <laughs> pounds at the top after she had her for a short ride too yes for such a short ride and then she gets kicked out the door by the guy who was misogynist toward her uh thrown to the wolves literally Mm. um yeah well done well done (laughs) which uh was a shame because she was one of the more dynamic characters i feel like of these archetypals then of course you have your old couple and that's our first turn is the old ladies the first one bit and then they're dealing with her turning and whether or not to kill her and the old man won't let her die to the point of, of course, she ends up chomping into his neck. Now, the thing I really liked about this old man character that he was he ends up being the take charge guy. Like, let's make it difficult for these werewolves to actually eat us and let's defend ourselves. And then he's also the same character who provides the backstory, the lore of the previous train in the 60s, 1967 or whatever it was. The same thing happened, which makes me wonder, too, if they could have elaborated like explain the lore more and is it like every 30 years that these are you know these werewolves show back up or or they just, that's a good point you know but i i like that they they tried to you know give the backstory without making it so much of like a heavy-handed like the guy's like you're all too young to remember this i completely agree Let's talk about the end of Howl. Um, so ultimately, everybody's dying. Only people left is Joe and our trolley lady. Uh, what is this actress's name? I guess Rose Day plays Nina, the trolley girl. Um, and then, of course, our big jerk face of a character um, who's been abusive to all the other characters during it. Joe and uh, Nina are running away, running into the woods. It seems like they're going to make it. And there's no werewolf in sight. And Joe just slows down. He's like, no we're not going to make this. <laughs> we can't survive. Uh, and they literally, they're talking there for like three minutes about how they're not going to make it when there's nowhere <laughs> around. He's like, you got to go. You got to just run on your own. I'm going to face down these werewolves myself. And this is where yeah. the sun comes up and the werewolves are not changing back. Um, and then there's really kind of like romantic sort of uh, choreography going on. And when they finally bite into Joe, he essentially gives up, which is so ridiculous. He's such a badass during the majority of, of the movie. And then suddenly he's just like, all right, I might as well just become one. But they do turn him instead of eating him. 
Right. Um, which then gives us the payoff of Joe the werewolf now getting to take down what's this what's this jerk faces actor's name? Oh yeah, he's is Adrian played by Elliot Cohen. Um, and he gets to go and, and eat the jerk. But and of course Nina does survive. We get a fun scene of her back at the train station. She has his name tag with her uh mm-hmm. I, I just i really felt like the end was rushed as a whole wasn't thought out compared to the rest of the movie that's the only thing that i really felt like was the downfall where i would normally say okay this is a, a must-see for werewolf fans for horror fans as a whole i just feel like it did fall apart a little bit at the end and felt like they were just they had to finish it yeah, you definitely wanted more. I mean, I think that's the only positive of them rushing that there is that it felt like this should have been a sequel. There should have been a sequel to this. Yeah, they did rob that opportunity for a sequel. Um, but at the same time, there's awesome gore. Even just the carcass of the deer underneath the train was was mm-hmm. really impactful. And then, of course, uh, the driver, the way you see his body splayed out. Um, I... I I liked it. And of course, the annoying girl, one archetype we didn't mention is this really annoying girl who plays her her music out loud on the train. She gets it good. <laughs> on um, the quiet car. On the quiet car. Exactly. She definitely <laughs> had it coming. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about is because I have been to England and the train that I was on was kind of more like our metro here in Chicago where the seats are faced forward or backwards. This was more like a train, a long distance train that had seats like an L. You know, like an L train, a subway train, just on right. the sides where people look at each other. I found that odd. It certainly makes for more room for filming. You know what I mean? It made it easier for them to actually have I interactions and, and block things way, way more interestingly. But yeah. I don't I might recall ever seeing a train like that. So I, I think know. you you just nailed it. I think they probably built this set practically and reused it for different scenes. And yeah, it just it made sense. But uh, I dug it. Who who directed this? That's one thing I haven't I looked into. Have you done anything else? Paul Hewitt. And he is known for... What else has he done? Oh, I guess he's a big makeup guy. So maybe this was... He's only directed four things. Oh, interesting. Peripheral. Oh, that's not the peripheral that's coming out on Amazon, which I am excited about. Hmm. Um, but the Convent Howl and the Seasoning House. So he's not known for much, but I, I thought this was pretty darn good for a werewolf flick. 100% agree. I thought it was. And this was in honor of the corgis again. We've discussed <laughs> dogs, but we're going to move on to more proper English fare now. Uh, that isn't werewolf based. Unless you, there's more you want to speak about Howl. No, just check it out if you haven't seen it. It's still fun. A fun ride. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 solid. It's solid. I'll give it that. Solid B of a flick. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to last year's Last Night at Soho. I remember seeing the preview for Last Night at Soho. When I saw Censor, which is another English uh, horror film that I I liked a lot. I really liked it a lot. Um, And this is Edgar Wright, 2021 release. It has some of the top actors and actresses around right now. You got Anna Taylor-Joy, who's like the hot it girl. Um, Thomason, this Thomason girl I don't know as well. Thomason McKenzie, I remember her from old if you remember yeah. M. Shemalite's old. And then, of course, Matt Smith, who is all the rave now because he's the bad he's guy in the new Game of Thrones. Um, you liked it. I want to know why. Well, I thought this was a really fun um, setting. And uh, I love I love Edgar Wright. I, I love his, his, his films. 
I love his directing style. This seemed like the first time he's moved away from his like fast-paced editing like he normally does. You could look at Shaun of the Dead and another film just right in like the heart of London. Mm -hmm. um, completely different from that. I, I, I'm not usually one who likes movies that take place in the 60s, but I think I was able to get myself um, immersed in this a little bit more because it felt more of like a mystery True, in the sixties is was isn't necessarily take place in the sixties, right? It's no. more of this. Uh, I don't through know what would even call it uh, vision the of, of the past through yeah. essentially dreams. She doesn't want to mm -hmm. sleep. It happens in her dreams, but she is seeing sort of what happens. But there is some inconsistencies of what she sees and what actually happened. But go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. no, 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 no. I, 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 I like the the, the character. I, I loved the main character. I loved her her backstory. I love that she's living with her grandma and like she's obsessed with the sixties. I thought I, I really thought they had a really well written characters. Although I, I do think the ending uh, was wrapped up a little bit too obviously. Um, what is her name? I, Diana, I would agree with Diana you there. Riggs. You could kind of see the twist coming. Oh yeah. And, and this was, she was this uh, older lady. I can't remember her character's name in game of Thrones too, who turns out to be the woman that she's shacking up with. Cause she yeah. can't live in the dorms yeah, because the character or her uh, roommate in the dorm is such a jerk. Um, <laughs> so she has to move out. And then she's living with this old lady, Elaine again, which is similar to the scenario she had in the country with her grand because her mom had killed herself. We don't mm -hmm. really know what's up with the dad, do we? Did she she died when she was really young, right? Yeah, the I dad? think I think they ask about the dad. The, the mean girl asks about the dad, and I think she right. says something along the lines of "I don't know him." I will give you that. I think the characters, especially that her character, is well written. Um, I I had a hard time buying into this hallucinatory the visions that she was seeing. I know that was the whole premise of of the film. Um, her, <laughs> but I just I really struggled and. and interestingly both this one and men i are really a critical of of misogyny you know it's really yep. coming down hard on how men treat women um we do have one nice male character in it who ends up her boyfriend in the end who's this guy who uh kind of sees that she's struggling at this new fashion school that she's she's made it into and she's great at fashion too but i just felt like there was a lot of the same she kept seeing the same thing she kept freaking out in front of everybody in the same way I, I felt like it was a little little draggy in in that sense visually i loved it i love the visuals i and you're absolutely right in terms of the characters uh well done I, but there's something that just i wanted it to be over when i was watching it. you know what i mean yeah it was yeah, one of these films like i need you to wrap up quick and I'm not a huge Matt Smith fan. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I don't know him from anything other than this and the new game of Thrones. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get to know him more. I didn't watch him as the doctor who, but he's not my favorite. Let's put it that way, but I do love to hate him. So I guess in a sense that that works for this Worked. role, especially because he ends up uh, Anna Taylor joys pimp. And yeah, I, I don't know. We probably shouldn't give away the end on this one. Cause it's so nah, new and people yeah, will be watching him. But it has a decent twist. I, I could see how you say you saw it coming. Um, I guess it's one of those ones where I was a little annoyed because they established something is happening and then it just ha didn't happen. It hadn't happened hmm. that way. I, and that was, was like act three of it was her trying to understand 
how it happened one way when it, it just didn't. And it is just kind of like the rug is pulled out from under your last 40 minutes of viewing. And I don't like it when that happens. All right. Um, you know, uh, but I get what you're saying in terms of the direction, the visuals, the characters, definitely worth a look. If you're an Edgar Wright fan, I would say in terms of horror fans, I'm not, I'm not sure I would steer horror fans toward this one. No, I think the really only horror element of this is, uh, the visions she starts to have of like these ghosts right. around her almost all the time. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, here I'll say this, this movie has been out streaming on, on HBO for some time now. And I've had a lot of opportunities to watch it. There was something, and I don't know what it was that was keeping me from watching it. I'm glad I did, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's not for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're, I'm completely with you. It was one of these ones where, like, when I saw it, the preview, I was excited to see it. I think it just boiled down to some of the reviews that I read not yeah. being very favorable of it, and perhaps those just bled into my subconscious. And if it wasn't for this podcast, it might have been another year before I actually did watch it. So, same, same. Uh, I think it's technically good, but it's no men. Let's talk about our final film which I absolutely love. Saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater in June. Um, I found it really Im impacting, honestly. And the second time that I watched it last night, I got so much more from it. To be honest. I bet. I bet. So there tell are... me, this is your first reaction. You watched it a couple days ago, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your take? Well, it's, it's interesting because I loved this movie i didn't really do any research before i watched it i just heard so many mixed reviews and i'm a little annoyed by a lot of those mixed reviews now i i especially from horror fans um mm -hmm. who who just like i think we're maybe expecting it to be something else it was 100 an a24 film yes. it feels very much like a lot of their other movies, but I loved the characters. I loved the bit of the, the mystery too, between our main character and her ex. I really, really enjoyed that. I thought it deals so well with misogyny and, um, Rory, um, forget his last name, the, the actor. Rory Kinnear. Freaking so good. amazing. He's becoming Brilliant. one of my favorites. First time I saw him was Kill List. I think we talked about Kill List. We did. But if you liked him in this, he's freaking amazing in, in Kill List. He has the, the ability more than I think any actor since maybe Daniel Day-Lewis to lose himself mm -hmm. in characters where I barely recognize him as some of these characters because he plays same. all the guys with the exception of her ex in right. this movie. And I think the first time I saw him was in uh, Black Mirror, like the original, like, oh, first, that's I think he's in the right. pilot of the, uh, yes. like, the, and he's just so he's the good. The prime minister who has to yes, wink a yes, pig. Yes. Um, I thought this movie was really, really well done. And the director, um, is it Alex Garland? Alex Garland, Ex Machina and Annihilation is what he's known yeah, for. Yeah, I thought of this I was so different from his other movies and I, and I really love how he can do that how he was able to um especially as a man directing this movie to really hone in on these different types of terrible terrible um characteristics of even i, I mean i'm it's nothing new but modern man and the the different characters and the different like archetypes that rory is able to play between the priest 
the little boy, the the host, the Airbnb host, Jeffrey. Oh What's interesting God. is that's all he's known as in the entire uh, like the casting of it, the yeah. crediting is just Jeffrey. Just Jeffrey, because Jeffrey Which, is yeah. all of it. Um, man, I mean, we can jump into meanings and what you believe. yeah well let's establish it for those who haven't seen it ultimately we have um our main character harper whose husband has died we don't it's ambiguous whether or not he has killed himself or he has slipped but ultimately she wanted a divorce and he wasn't having any of it he couldn't accept it and like he gets to the point where he actually hits her and she's like all right i'm done with you i don't care if you kill yourself so he tries to like go into the apartment above to get down to her apartment to continue their conversation that she's not allowing he's not accepting uh, uh, uh her stance i guess and it's unclear whether or not he's jumped or whether or not he slipped doing right this. right what's your take based on what we see do you think uh, he killed himself or do you think it was an accident i think he did i think he did it because i think he was he played this this part this person in her in her life who kind of holding her hostage in this in this abusive relationship whether it was mostly psychological and verbal and until we finally see a physical altercation right. i think he was committed to hurting really, her that way yes yeah yeah uh, okay i think i i love that it's a mystery to be honest with you the only thing that i'm going to say suggests that he slipped and didn't actually jump himself was his face when he's falling, it looks like an uh-oh face sure, versus sure. a take this, take that face. That's the only thing I'm going to, and I personally, maybe he jumped and made it seem like he slipped because that's a way to hurt her anymore. It is really about making women suffer, this, this movie, you know, men's, uh, I, in a way, like jealousy that women are the ones that are able, capable of bringing life into the world and we are kind of subordinate to them in that sense, to the point we then have to domineer over them. Um, I feel like what is going on with the gender stuff is what this movie's all about. It's obviously sure. called yeah. men for that reason. But you're you're right in terms of let's let's break down the different archetypes that um, Kinnear plays because there's starkly different ones. Um, certainly, at the beginning, we have her ha trying to get away, staying in this English home. And she's like a child again. It's like she's been reborn. She's enjoying mm -hmm. nature, very the, the serene surroundings of the countryside. She's walking just like a babe, seeing rain for the first time again, seeing the beauty of the trees for the first yeah. time. And then she the gets tunnel, to this, the, this yeah. the, to the tunnel, which is essentially what people are probably most familiar with from the trailer. Which she's it, it should be representative. Okay, she's getting through something. She's getting through to the other side. And as she starts to encroach upon it and kind of play with it. <laughs> She's playing with the echo of it. And the echo of things is really what is at the heart of this movie, too. And how men's pain and torment continues on from generation to generation. Yeah. And that's what perpetuates man subordinating women, essentially. Because when she does this little, this is such a creepy little echo that she does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could mimic it right now, but I, I'm not going to try. Um, eventually, this guy at the end of the tunnel is a long ass tunnel too which is what's so cool about it this guy at the end gets up and just starts running at her with his like so horrific creepy. scream we find out that this is what was known as the green man 
later. <laughs> yeah. So it's a completely yeah. naked guy who ends up following her back to the house, uh, just completely stark, stark nude. And he doesn't seem to have normal intelligence. He doesn't speak, but he's very ominous, super creepy. And he does, in a way, try to get in to the house, he's, especially through the mailbox slot, oh, which man. I feel like is very metaphoric of, uh, you know, it's a vaginal stuff. A lot of yes, vaginal, yes. a lot of phallic stuff going on in, in, in this whole movie. But this first guy who's naked is, I guess, some people are arguing he is where man and nature kind of meet. It's like how man has spawned from nature, hence the green man title. And to me, I look at all these different archetypes as like, uh, sexual maturity almost so this mm -hmm. is just like raw sexual nature i don't know if you remember when he comes out at the end he's the first incarnation but it, when he approaches her she's in a position that is very suggestive and it's just like sex drive you know it's just nature recreation or not recreation, reproduction sort of right just right. mindless because he's the one that he also has this amazing scene where he blows this pollen into her face. Yeah. And she inhales one of them. So it's kind of like forcing Burst. more. He's forcing yeah. the reproduction. It's like he's right. kind of the rapey character in a way, metaphorically, yeah. if you were to ask me. Um, what did you take from this? Well, Green like, I mean, yes, I completely agree with everything you just said. But there's also elements of him that made me think that he's also representation of Adam and walking through the garden. Mm. Um, literally plucking apples, you know, forbidden fruit. Um, until he, yeah, until he notices the woman, and what he's his he's been programmed to do is just reproduce, and he, he wants to force himself like an animal upon her and get into her home, get in right side of her. That's um, a good point. It's there's definitely a lot going on with Adam and Eve. Uh, analogy, especially because she starts she starts it off when she shows up at this home eating an apple mm -hmm. off this apple tree, and, uh, <laughs> and it's a it's an original sin thing. A woman having done that has forced man has forced humanity to suffer, and man simply because of his uh, physical power, I guess, especially over in this scenario, has the ability to then make women suffer more. You've made me right. suffer and have to reproduce and not live in Eden. And now I'm going to make you pay for that for eternity. You know, that's what yeah. I, we'll yeah. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey's character even like notices when she's eating the apple, he's like, Oh, no, oh, oh, you shouldn't scrumping. Were you scrumping? Scrumping. Yeah. Let's okay. So let's look at it. Let's go through the archetypes in the way in which at the end they birth each other which we start with our green man and then uh, the green man turns into our little boy. Uh, yes. He's not a little boy. He's like, a, he's a prepubescent character, but he's got the face of Rory Kinnear as a man, but he's clearly, a ch it's really creepy. It's the only part where the CGI is not right, the best, right. I guess, I but at the same time, it it's adds to the eerie nature of it. Yeah. It's effective. If the first one is just raw, natural, unthinking uh, sexuality, then we have our kind of impotent, no, 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 not impotent. It's immature, stifled uh, sexuality where he's too, he still has these desires for our character, Harper, still expects her to um, tend to his needs, to want to play hide and seek, to do what he wants, um, but he doesn't have that physical capacity to be a sexual being yet. Right. Uh, 
He's not what did you what did you take from him? Like if we have our, our raw sexuality here, this is the immature seedling of sexuality. Correct. He um I think kind of embodies it the most when she stumbles upon him outside of the um the church wearing the mask and mm-hmm. wanting to play a game and because she says no, he, he, he like curses her and, and it, it's it's exactly it's exactly that. He's a um immature um I, he's entitled too. He's, he's entitled. resentful too. I feel like yes. that he can't. He's right. He can't domineer over her in the way the other males can, but he still has power over her. Correct. Correct. He is yeah beyond immature. It's it's like <laughs> there's no repercussions. He's like no one there to tell him no. Yeah, terrible. And interestingly, he be- he's wearing this this mask of a, a, I would argue, like an ideal, idyllic looking woman, you know, the yeah. blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, and then he uses it on the dead bird later. To me, it's yeah. like, yeah, at that age, putting women on this unrealistic pedestal and expecting them to essentially exist for you sort of thing. Yeah. So he's born from our uh, green man. And then our then he starts to explode at the end and, and birth our reverend character. Um, oh man, has some of the most powerful scenes in it. Uh, very creepy to me. This is one looked at least like Rory Kinnear because uh, he has mm-hmm. these like black eyes. And but if gray. we go from raw yeah. sexuality to immature sexuality, now we have repressed sexuality. Repressed, which which you know really the the, the church in this stands for any sort of uh, religion, I would feel like that kind of subjugates women to, um, you know, ideological norms according to whatever doctrine they're following. He then becomes the most salacious with her toward the mm-hmm. end and is the only one that actually, like, almost gets on her sort of thing. And then she does the reverse penetration by by shiving him in the uh, kidney, it looked like. Um but yeah, I feel like he, when you repress the sexuality, then you're like taking power over women, preventing them from being able to have kids and, and pretend, pretending like you have that power when it's really their power sort of thing to reproduce uh, yes. by taking it away. Like it's this ironic sort of power grab um, that in itself is unnatural. I think he's really being critical of religion here and suggesting, especially those that abstain from sexuality uh, as being super hypocritical. And in a way that's super misogynist, even though you're not being with women, your denial of them is in itself something that's domineering. And, and in addition to that, he blames her. It's your fault that I'm feeling this way. I, the repression is it's, because uh, it's it's not his fault. It, it's yeah, it's he, how she. What, he asks her, "What made you drive him to kill himself?" Right. He puts all the blame on her. Absolutely, and I think he does that the most out of any character because of the original sin thing and him just seeing women as why humanity suffers. Yeah, and and the way he talks about uh, women, you know. Um, of course, there are times that men are going to hit you. And well, did you did you allow him to apologize? Right. And she's like, what? Right. 
it, it's terrible and it's it's terrible in that, in that first scene where they're on that bench together and he's got mm. his hand on her leg your mm-hmm. first thought is like oh he's trying to console her but it's beyond inappropriate right and and when she leaves there's that amazingly creepy shot of his finger and hand on the bench and it's It's very subtly kind of like stroking it there's this little perversion in the hand that you see yes if you notice his his uh one finger had a really long nail to his pointer finger had a really really long nail um, which then we see later in other characters of his that have the full-on horror nails um yeah to me he was probably the scariest of the of the bunch so we move from raw to immature to repressed and then he gives birth to jeffrey i think he probably should have given birth to the policeman because we don't see the policeman birth but that's another archetype of essentially letting um man get away with uh uh, what would you call that transgressions against mm-hmm. women right mm-hmm. because ultimately yeah. he does arrest the the naked dude the green man but then releases immediately like essentially yeah you harassing a woman stalking her whatever that's not really a crime because it's right it's right. not that big a deal it's um, representative of what um if, if a woman was abused today and the police you know it's he said she said like right. well yeah that one was kind of skipped. He wasn't birthed like the rest of them, no. but that probably would have been too much. It was already maybe too much with all the birthing. At the end. Uh, but instead we have the repressed sexuality leading to Jeffrey being born, um, who is the, the man who's, who's let the actual uh, country home to her. Right. And he seems sort of sweet at the beginning, but at the same time, there's this undertone of awkwardness. To me, he's like an incel. He's impotent sexuality. He's someone who wants women but can't get them sort of yeah. thing. Especially this this is um, obvious, I feel like, when she's getting away in the car, she hits him. Uh, he gets up and rips her out of the car suddenly. He's been so normal and nice up to that point. And then he grabs her by the hair, pulls her out, but then drives away himself because he can't deal with her in the same way the other Jeffreys, right. the other uh, men have. And then like regrets it and he has to come back and he tries to just destroy her. Very incel sort of character to me. Um, I also and- looked at his character as being um, a representation of the chivalrous man. He... Mm. When she first shows up, he's like, let me get your bags. Allow me. Right. But he also, um, it, it goes too far. Like when, when the, um, the, he shows up later and there's an intruder, he walks around the house. He's there to protect her, right? He's the right. white knight and he won't, he has to kill that bird and crack its neck and he doesn't want her to look at it. It's, it's, um, and even at the bar, he buys her a drink. She's like, yes, no, I can buy my own drink. Won't let her pay for a drink. So yeah, he, he's a representation of this. Um, the good guy, but the good guy can only do so much before he also breaks. The passive aggressive sort of like his powers exists through seemingly good deeds for, for women. I love that. The chivalrous point. Yeah. Yeah. There is certainly misogynist tendencies behind chivalry. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And then finally, the final birth is, our boy James, her uh, deceased ex, who at this point, I, thought, I, I read one uh, article about this, about how she essentially, she's so badgered by all these men that she's become numb to it. It's like their pain 
because every one of them as they're reborn has the same afflictions that they've accumulated over the course of the movie between the split arm which is right. the most graphic scene in it when uh <laughs> the character sticks his arm through the mailbox and then she stabs it like down by the uh elbow and then he pulls it out essentially splitting his arm in two <sighs> every incarnation then from from then on of all the men have this split when he gets jeffrey gets hit by the car then he's he's got a broken leg um and both of these wounds appear on every other man and they're also connected to how her ex had died he yes, fell into this this fence where his arm kind of got sh- sh- split in two a little bit and he broke one his his right leg i want to say so yeah. the same sort of injuries that occurred to her ex's body has now manifested in all these men and him then he's the final one birth and at the what did you think of the end i think most of the people's uh criticism um didn't get what was going on underneath the surface but also were just dissatisfied with how it ended what was right. your take on that i just don't think people put it together that all of these men were her ex and this is how she was dealing with it and I mean, I think ultimately we learn that she is able to move on and, and, you know, the way she's fighting off each one of these memories or repressions. And um, I think, you know, when her friend, spoiler alert, when her friend shows up at the end in her car and she she sees the bloody scenes and she sees um, that, that she's okay, she's there. And I think it's, you know, a sign that she is going to be okay. She's going to be able to move on. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if enough people really thought about what was going on with the the different births and iterations of her ex. That's interesting. Cause at the, at the very end, you're absolutely right. The, the friend shows up and she's pregnant, which is interesting in, in itself. It because was, you don't thought, know yeah. that when she's talking to her on the phone the whole time, but the end of the movie, I guess you could say is, uh, when the title card men pops up and we don't get the interaction between the friends until after that title card. So right. really in men's mind, like men say when it ends, right? When he says, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when she's like, what do you want from me? And he's like, love. And she has, yeah. she's nothing to say. And then that's right. okay. That's it. But no, we get this additional women have women, you know what I mean? Women have each other and friendship to help them deal with, with us. I mean, it's interesting because I think uh, generals and men aren't as stereotypically horrible as as they're right, depicted right. in this, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it does sure. suggest that at the end, the only saving grace is that women have women. You know, women have each yeah, other. and 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 you mentioned that she was uh, her friend is pregnant, and I kind of took that as we don't ever learn of her friend's situation. Um, does she have a man? And what I was getting at the very end that we learn is that women have women, but they also don't necessarily need us because I was, maybe I mm-hmm. took this too far, but I was thinking that maybe her friend got Im- impregnated without a man. Maybe, That's right, she, Yeah. Showing that, you know, there are ways to go about a relationship and starting a family now without having to be in a relationship with, um, you know, someone that you marry or traditionally mm-hmm. and that maybe she was. I love that. I love that take. Ultimately, this is a, a way of the sins of the father onto the son sort of thing, as you see through mm-hmm. the wounds manifesting over and over again, all the way back to the beginning of man sort of thing. That right. might be 
escapable by like IVF or whatever the heck. You don't necessarily need to have the father figure who's in this shown to be a corruptive force, right? Mm -hmm. Men as corrupting other men through, through all time. But right. there's the possibility that women can avoid this by yeah. getting rid of us. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, we loved it. We ended up talking half the cast just about men, yeah. rightly so. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's very thoughtful. T talk about elevated horror, right? This takes it to the next level. I think if you got a, a weak stomach, you're not going to like the end. Uh, there's some very, very, very graphic stuff going on there. Um, but I loved it. I, I thought it was top notch. And I love Jesse Buckley. We hadn't even mentioned what amazing actress she is. I remember her loved. from Chernobyl. She's in a yep. season of Fargo with Jason, Schw this Jason Schwartzman one. Love everything she does. So uh, good. She's an Irish actress. And the rest of them, I think, are pretty English up in here. Her friend, mm -hmm. I think, is maybe Scottish. She's from Glow. Glow. If you remember yeah, 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 I do. Um, well, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about, Mian? I don't think so. I think people maybe um, shouldn't be turned off necessarily by right. the reviews and should actually watch it. I think it's it's like a necessary viewing. 100%. Especially if you, mo most people really like Ex Machina. That has yeah. really kind of resounded with people. So give, give it a shot. Look look below the surface if, if you do. Mm -hmm. but, um, mm -hmm. In the meantime, people, stay alive. Thank you.